Hey, what's up everybody and welcome to Rock Video Rental. I am Brandon, with me as always is Caleb, and we are continuing on with Alien Month. Uh, this week we're taking kind of a turn from last week. Um, we're going to be talking about E.T., the extraterrestrial. But before we get to all that, uh, Caleb, what have you been watching? So not as much as the week prior, but I do have one more to share this week. Um, and it's kind of funny and seems totally random, but my wife and I watched uh, Daddy's Home 2. <laughs> yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, so we watched the first one, I don't know, like a year or two ago maybe now. And we, uh, my wife randomly saw, you know, a clip, a scene, something on TikTok or Reels or whatever it was from the movie. And she's like, oh, that'd be a fun one to watch. Which it seems kind of random too, because it's technic- it's basically a Christmas movie. Yeah, and uh, so it was pretty good. I don't really remember the first one well enough to say which one I feel was better, but having Mel Gibson, John Lithgow, and uh, Lithgow and um, John Cena, yeah, uh, were a nice contributions. So how great was the casting for their dads? Oh, that was Mel Gibson fantastic. and John Lithgow. <laughs> Oh, and I recently found out it is Lithgow. Lithgow? Yeah, because I was listening to him um, on Conan O'Brien's podcast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he said it's Lithgow. Okay, Lithgow. And I always thought oh. it was Lithgow. Yeah, I gotta remember <laughs> that. So I, I was in, instinctively correct. Because I said <laughs> Lithgow, and then I corrected to Lithgow, and I was wrong. So, yeah, no, they they were great. I mean, they that was one of the best parts of that was just how well they they put all that together so yeah it's always great when the casting seems to be like perfect for uh like parents mm-hmm. um you know i talked about it before but like a new girl how jess's parents are rob reiner and jamie lee curtis <laughs> yeah. just seems to fit like perfectly well it's so funny because like sometimes those things fit perfectly because they match, but then other times things fit perfectly because they don't. Yeah. Kind of like, um, because you and I were just talking about the 70 show. Yeah. The 70 show <laughs> and Eric and his parents. Yeah. Completely different. Yeah. So, well, that's like the one episode where they said that red is a bear and, and Eric is a duck. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, so, speaking of that '70s show, um, I watched that '90s show, and it was amazing. Uh, not so much. <laughs> um, I think we were like four episodes into it. I think something like that. I just stopped watching like right before we recorded the show. Um, to me, what it reminded me of is Girl Meets World. Hmm where you're watching it and you're like cringing and groaning through the new characters and you're waiting for the old ones to show up. Yeah. And then you're like really into it and the old ones show up. So I, I honestly think the best way they could have done this is to focus more on the old characters Mm. and have like the new characters come in. It's kind of like, you know, side parts. And then if you want to like introduce those characters slowly and then bring them in more, but I understand, like, you know, a lot of the characters from the original That 70s Show are big-name actors. Now they're going to be making lots of money. Yeah. Like, you're not going to be able to get Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis for cheap. Yeah. So for more than five minutes of screen time. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, Hyde's never going to be on it with all the legal trouble he's had. Yeah. Um. Yeah, just, I don't know. I'm. I'll still watch the whole thing. And I mean, the parts with Red and Kitty are great. Um, so far, Eric and Donna, Kelso and Jackie, and Fez have been on it. Oh, and Leo. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was weird. So, like, Eric and Donna and uh, Kelso and Jackie were in the same episode, but they don't share screen time together. Huh. Yeah, <laughs> kind of strange, but I don't know if they're going to maybe have them all come together at the end of it or something. I could see that. 
But, man, other than that, uh, we're still watching The Office. Rock. Uh, still, I watched the last two episodes of The Goldbergs. Uh, that show's kind of starting to peter out a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it we... has been for a while, but it's getting to the point where it's just kind of like, eh. Mm. Where I forget there was a new episode on where I used to be like excited to watch it. So, yeah, just kind of, eh, with that show lately. Um, I watched a slasher movie called Return to Horror High. It has a very young George Clooney in it. Nice. Um, I watched Pineapple Express the other day for the first time in, like, years. Oh, yeah. Um, and then the last thing I watched was this Netflix documentary called Hatchet Wielding Hitchhiker. I don't know if you remember that in... Oh man, was when was that? Like the early twenty tens or late two thousands? There was this hitchhiker that got picked up by a guy and the guy was like trying to kill some woman. The hitchhiker got out and like hit the guy in the head with a hatchet a few times. Wait to like save her. What? No. What? You never heard about that? He was like he went viral because the guy was just like well, it was like a surfer dude. And his famous line from it was, it's like, yeah, grab my hatchet. And then this went smash, smash, smash. <laughs> Cause he had like a news, like reporter talking to him. And that's what he like went off saying. And then he became a big deal and he got like on Jimmy Kimmel and everything. But like the twist to it was like a few years later, he ended up killing someone. What? Yeah. So he went from like hero to murderer and now he's like in prison. In the world. And he claims it was, like, self-defense, but, like, the detectives and the people that were on the scene and everything said that, like, there was really no way that was self-defense. <laughs> mm. And, like, they talked to, like, some of his family and stuff, and they said that he had, like, um, mental health issues that they thought that went undiagnosed, so, I don't know, it was pretty interesting. Because I, I remember that story, and I remember seeing that video. But I didn't know that, like, he got arrested for murdering someone. Okay. Yeah, you may want to check it out. It's kind of interesting. But that is pretty much everything I've watched. I, I haven't had really much time to watch too many movies, I guess. And some of these were ones I watched late last week and just forgot to talk about. How dare you? <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm, I'm slipping here, I'm slipping. But are you ready to get into E.T.? Let's do it. All right. He's lost. He's alone. And he's three million light years from home. In spring 2002, only in theaters. I'm keeping you. Steven Spielberg's masterpiece. Will come to life home, home. for a whole new generation. <laughs> Experience the mystery. Wait, what is it? I don't know. Something scary. The wonder. What's happening? The call. ET phone home. That started it all. With never-before-seen footage, enhanced special effects, and an all-new digitally remastered soundtrack, the extraordinary 20th Anniversary Edition. E.T. The Extraterrestrial. March 2002. So E.T., the extraterrestrial, is from 1982 and is directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, maybe you've heard of him. Um, plot, a troubled child summons the courage to help a friendly alien escape from Earth and return to his home planet. Was he really troubled, though? Uh, not that much. That I, I mean, feel like, like his it's... dad like bailed on them. Yeah, I but feel like a better plot that... would be like, 
a boy discovers an extraterrestrial that was left behind on they become Earth. friends and he helps the he yeah. helps the alien return to his planet yeah <laughs> that was pretty much it yeah uh the cast we got henry thomas as elliot drew barrymore as gertie uh peter coyote as keys there's a name for you peter coyote <laughs> um d wallace as mary robert mcnaughton as michael and a very young C. Thomas Howell as Tyler. Um, really, most of the other characters don't really matter. They're kind of side pieces. Even Tyler is, but the fact that he's played by C. Thomas Howell, I had to mention it. Um, I was trying to think the other day. I am not sure if I've ever seen this movie all the way through. Oh. Until oh. this time. I know I've seen it lots of times because I remember almost all the scenes, but I don't know if I've ever sat down and watched it from beginning to end altogether. I, I have. This was my third, possibly only my second time watching it. <laughs> that's hilarious that we're doing a, a podcast about a movie that's incredibly popular and it's widely considered one of the greatest movies of all time. And you and I have only seen it a couple times. Yeah, well, if you if you want me to like put another layer on top of that, I don't really like this movie. <laughs> I I don't I don't hate it. I don't like have a problem with it. Uh, I I understand, and I'll I'll get into the. I don't want to take too much time on it now, so I'll save some of it for like the end of it and everything. But it's just like I recognize how big it was at the time. Like yeah, great work, special effects, cool story. Good job Re- with the really alien. well done, really well shot. Yeah. Um, and like I th- feel like it's a well written movie. Yeah, but, but yeah, it, I, I would say that it's. I was actually gonna say that it's overrated. I feel yeah, like. I, I I could I could be okay with saying that, but I like because I also recognize like there are good movies out there that I'm just not going to like personally. Like I'm yeah. also going to do my best to say that okay, it's still a good movie, but yeah, I'm definitely going to come out and say like, I do not really care for this movie personally. Does not mean that's a bad movie, but I don't think it's, you know, as great as most people think. Yeah. I feel like it might be one of those movies that you had to experience it at a young age, maybe Mm -hmm. where like, I, I probably saw bits and pieces of this as a kid, but I don't remember sitting down and watching the whole thing as a kid. Yeah, I watched it as a kid, but it was not right when it, well, obviously not right when it came out. Ha ha. Yeah, you would have been negative six. Yeah, I would have been bored. (laughs) But I mean, like, so yeah, so obviously, I mean, some time had transpired since it came out. I, I was not super young when I watched it. So, I mean, we're talking about probably 10, over 10 years after it had been out yeah so yeah and i just i don't know like i I recall not really being all that much into the movie and also which we'll get to at some point there were parts of this movie that were you know kind of traumatizing yeah so yeah for sure that's i was thinking too um i guess we can kind of dive into it um like we normally do so what what is good I said, I think the plot is pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting idea. An alien comes down. It's not a vengeful, kill everything in sight alien. It's a, you know, just kind of lost soul, I guess. He's not really like. They're like exploring. To say that he's like, yeah, he's exploring a curious alien, I guess. More yeah. than you know, wipe out the human race alien, <laughs> right. which, which would have been hilarious. <laughs> this goofy looking ET, but I don't know. And like he strikes up a friendship with a, a young boy. And then like the boy can feel what ET is feeling, which that... was never fully explained. Yes. Which I mean, you don't really have to explain it, but it all of a sudden it just happens. Mm-hmm. Like that... when he's in school and the ET's drinking beer and like he's feeling drunk too. And yes. It's like, okay, like I don't remember this part of the movie, but okay. 
I don't remember that either. And I thought it was super weird that that was not to get turned away too much from what we're talking about with good, but I would lump that into kind of like what was bad because it didn't, I mean, it makes sense that they were trying to make a big connection between them, especially like later on when they talk, like when ET's like dying and that whole thing. Mm. <laughs> but I don't think that was really necessary how they built that up i don't know it it was weird it was one if not the weirdest parts to the movie yeah yeah i would agree it might have been better if you know somehow et could communicate with him like telepathically or something probably would have been better than elliot feeling et's pain and all that yeah like yeah weird not gonna go yeah. into it but <laughs> yeah um I guess things that are great. I thought Henry Thomas was really good in this. Mm-hmm. Like we we rip on child actors a lot and <laughs> how terrible they are. Um, but I think was his performance in this movie one of the best performances by a child actor ever. Possibly. I can't really think of any that are truly better. Uh, what's his name in the Goonies was pretty good because he delivers that epic speech. <laughs> That's why I thought of instantly when we were talking about child actors. Are, are um, you talking about Sean Astin? Yeah. Yeah. I thought all the kids in the Goonies were good. I mean, another Spielberg movie. Yeah. But yeah, it's. But this one was probably better because it's more serious and. Yeah. And his wide, wide range of emotions. And him being able to emote emotions that are beyond beyond the comprehension of a kid that age <laughs> is right. what I thought. Like, there's no way this kid knows what's going on, but like, it seems like he does. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, along with him, I thought Drew Barrymore did a really good job too for how young she was. What was she like four in this? Yeah, no, that that was the part that not to take anything away from Henry Thomas, but I do think, you know, she didn't steal the show. But when you stop and you think about how young she is and how well she did, you're kind of like, oh, wow, that that kind of blows you away a little bit more than Henry Thomas. Yeah, I got to look it up and see how old she was at the time, because I was just thinking like, okay, she's about as old as my oldest daughter is. Mm-hmm. In this movie, okay, so it was 1975. So when she was born, February 75. So this came out in 82. This probably made in 81. So she was about what six? Yeah, something like, like that. Five, six, something like that. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> yeah, her acting in this. Like, there's no way my daughter would be able to do that. <laughs> yeah, like trying to imagine your old kid <laughs> at the age five. Oh man, she wouldn't even look at a camera when you take your pictures. So I can't even imagine. <laughs> Oh man. Um you know, and aside from the the I would say they're the two best jobs of acting in this. Um I mean D. Wallace does a pretty good job too as the mom. Yeah. She's she's pretty good in everything. I would say her best role that I've seen her in is um Cujo. Okay. Just because you know, it's basically her the boy from who's the boss <laughs> and a dog the whole movie <laughs> and yeah. the fact that she's basically acting by herself and uh she does an amazing job in that movie but i thought she did pretty good in et as well yeah i'd say um all the acting is pretty good um and yeah we were talking about what was great there uh with those performances i think the only acting that wasn't that up to par was um <laughs> one distinct spot and so i guess i don't know maybe i'm throwing in some bad here early but <laughs> since we're talking about the acting the um some of uh what was it michael was it his name i think uh his friends on the, the bikes. older brother yeah. yeah when they were outside and the government had like taken over their house mm-hmm. and they're sitting out there on their bikes watching one kid just kept on repeating Man, something's happening. And it's like, well, duh. 
he said it like more than once and it's just like <sighs> okay like it's is he doing a poor job or are you guys just writing poor dialogue here okay Come on. so the the goofy friend with the with the headphones and the hat mm-hmm. is there any way that dustin wasn't based on him right i was, I was thinking it the whole time I'm like oh my gosh it's totally dustin <laughs> Well, a lot of the feeling too, um, with the keys character, yeah, uh, totally makes you think of uh, Doctor, what's his name, Paul Reiser. No, um, Matthew Modine. Yeah, Matthew Modine. Yeah, Papa. Papa, I think it was Brenner, but anyways, whatever yeah. his name was. Yeah, Brenner. Um, but yeah, I, I totally forgot too, that that character keys actually wound up talking. I thought he was like this ominous bad guy, like the whole time that like never really speaks. Yeah. So. Did you know that he was, his name was never even really mentioned? Uh, I kind of figured that out by looking at the casting list that he's just listed as keys. Yeah. Um, I I would say the the last great thing I had was the ET puppet itself was amazingly convincing, especially for the time. And the way that a puppet was a, able to emote was was pretty impressive. It, I mean, it kind of reminded me of like um like the technology they would use in the Ninja Turtle suits. Mm-hmm. And how they were so believable as being real. Yeah. And I, of course, we do such great research on this show that I was, I didn't look up to see who made it. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> I, I didn't see if it was like, you know, Jim Henson or something like that. Yeah, no, I, well, one thing that I had to put in with the great was definitely the music. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's easy, <laughs> you know. So Caprice Roth was the guy who was a professional mime. Um, Interesting. Yeah, and he filled filled prosthetics to play E.T.'s hands. Hmm. Well, I was going to say it's easy to lump uh, the music into what's great with, you know, when you have John Williams doing it, so... Yeah, and Car- Carlo Rambaldi was technically so. Caprice Roth was only the guy that played like the hands of ET, okay. and then Car- Carlo Rambaldi was the guy that actually created the effects. Hmm. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, he did a good job. Um, yeah, back to the music. Yeah, I mean, anytime John Williams is in charge of a score, you know it's going to be amazing. Yeah, <laughs> they might sound similar to other things, uh, you know, Star Wars, uh, Superman, uh, Indiana Jones, all that, but they're all amazing. Oh yeah, totally. I was during different parts. I was like, oh, there's there's a little Indiana Jones there. Yeah. Oh, there's a little Star Wars. <laughs> well, that is just like Danny Elfman too. Like all his stuff sounds the same. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, one of the, oh crap, no, I can't think of his name. Um. Um, shoot, it's gonna kill me. Uh, Hans Zimmer, there we go. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a lot of his stuff you can pick up between different movies. I think two that cross over a lot are the Pirates of the Caribbean and Gladiator. Yeah, I can uh, see that. Yeah. Those two you can pick up uh, some crossovers a lot. So yeah, ev- everybody does it. It's not, it's not horrible if it's not blatant, you know. Yeah. Uh, so things that are bad, we kind of touched on it a little bit. And I hate to say this because this movie's from 1982, but the green st- screen stuff looks pretty rough now. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, I kind of compare that. A lot of older movies, maybe I unfairly compare it to Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But with the miniatures and everything in Star Wars, like, that still looks good to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where, like, the green screen in this is a bit rough. Mm-hmm. Like just a, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it but, seems I mean, like... charming still because it wasn't CG, but yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I would almost say like it seems like they paid a ton of attention to everything else, and then that was like one of the last things that they did, and they're just 
like oh, okay you know don't worry about it we'll just we'll fix it in post right so yeah some of the uh things that i had i mean we already talked about acting i thought mainly all that acting was good or great but you know just some of those side characters that were just there for kind of specific scenes like some of the kids at the school um man there was one kid i can't remember what he did but it was really cheesy and then um like i mentioned with their one friend on the bike (laughs) and his dialogue uh was pretty rough but uh one thing that i think is bad that i don't know if i have heard anybody else talk about that I feel like has to be said is that they set up this movie with such a fake premise at the beginning because E.T., when he's about to be discovered, all of a sudden becomes like Usain Bolt (laughs) and is just flying through the woods. And then throughout the whole entire rest of the movie, he waddles like a penguin. Yeah. Yeah, how's it he can sprint like crazy at the beginning and then after he's there for a while and they, they discover him, then he's like just kind of be a squish flopping around. Yeah, exactly. Like there's no other point in time that he is able to run, uh, shows any speed or anything whatsoever. Yeah, he walks around like an old man that cuts you off in, at Walmart. <laughs> right. he's, and you're like trying to get by and he's just kind of like taking his time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So yeah, I, I guess I never really thought about that. It's funny that you brought it up because yeah, right at the beginning he's like zipping around everywhere. Yeah, I mean it's not like Mac from Mac and Me, <laughs> right? <laughs> Where he does complete dance numbers. Um, so I guess favorite scenes or at least most memorable scenes. Uh, man. We talked about things that are traumatizing. How about E.T. laying in the river? Yeah, looking like and, crap. Yeah, he was like like a pale pink color. And he's just laying there and Michael finds him and scoops him up and brings him home. Like, I forgot about that. And now it's just like, okay, that'll be itch- etched in my brain forever. <laughs> yeah, like a bloated <laughs> dead fish. Yeah, it's just disturbing. <laughs> Well, the uh, the other thing, too, with that, not to get on a sidetrack here, but it's just like, why did E.T. leave him? That's what I was wondering, too. Like, how did they get separated? Well, they were just it, there with the machine doing whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then Elliot fell asleep, and then he woke up, and E.T. was gone. And E.T.'s like, I'm going to ditch this kid. Yeah, like, I, what, what? Oh, wait, I'm an idiot, and I'm dead. <laughs> I'm dying. I'm laying in a river sprawled out in pink yeah for for a supernatural extraterrestrial who can fly (laughs) and apparently was really smart he makes some stupid decisions yeah (laughs) but he also does get drunk and that was one of my favorite scenes (laughs) right that was pretty funny he's just hammering coors i totally forgot about that (laughs) i did too there was a lot of things i forgot about in this movie like the fact that I've ever even watched all the way through. I'm pretty sure I have because I've, I remember like watching when I went back and watched it. I'm like, Oh yeah, I remember this. Oh yeah. I remember that. Oh, it was like one thing after another, but like, yeah, I've seen this before. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. trying to remember the ending and everything. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I, um, one of my favorite scenes, I mean, it's just classic. Like, I mean, what it was in the movie intros, after this movie came out and everything, but the flying bikes. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that you'll never forget from this movie. Yeah. I will say iconic shot. I will say it also comes with one of the dumbest parts of the movie Yeah, (laughs) because they escape with the alien and then they get chased by the government and they have their guns out. Like they're going to shoot a bunch of kids. Yeah. Like what you, first of all, we know you're not going to shoot the alien because you don't want to kill the alien. Second of all, we know you're not going to shoot the kids because you're in public. You're not going to shoot the kids. Like, we right. know that. But they create the roadblock. They try to stop them, and the guys pull their guns out. And, like, one guy has a 12-gauge <laughs> shotgun pointed at them. Yeah. So did you, did you know that when um, 
they came out with this on, I can't remember if it was Blu-ray or DVD, that uh, Spielberg actually went back into the movie and like digitally removed the guns and put in walkie-talkies. No, I did not know that. Yeah, that's what I was talking about last week with um, Lu- George Lucas and Steven Spielberg like messing with their movies. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, that that makes more sense. But yeah, but at least when we watched it in streaming, they had the guns, like yeah. like the original. Um, not like with Star Wars, where you probably never see the original ever again. I think I might have some VHSs that uh, might have the original. I'm not even know. sure if some of those have the original because I've heard that like there was scenes that people saw in the theater back in the 70s that have never been released. Hmm. Well, I do know that there were some VHSs that were updated with extra content and some changes. I do know that. And then yeah, some I've still got the special edition. That's one of those. It's like the... Yeah. <clears throat> well, another memorable scene uh, for me then... You know, I mean, just another classic that anybody who's seen the music, uh, the movie will never forget is the uh, E.T. finger ouch. Yeah. Thing. So. Where he heals him. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like, okay, why didn't we use that more? Why can't he heal himself? Right. But your Mac from Mac and me could have. <laughs> he brought that kid back to life. Right. But he couldn't fix his legs. <laughs> <laughs> He's a kid alive, but I'm still in a wheelchair. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, you jerk. Yeah, and then Mac just winks and points at him. <laughs> Gives him a... <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, there was a funny line that made me laugh from Drew Barrymore. Where... I think it's like Michael's like, Oh, man, what is he? And then Drew Barrymore's character says... Is he a pig? Because he sure eats like one. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. And then probably the most memorable line from this movie is E.T. phone home. Oh, yeah. Which, that was definitely one of the things that I really remembered as a kid from this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, just some of the more memorable stuff that I had in here. It was the thing with the Reese's Pieces. Oh, yeah. Um, When E.T. hides in the toys. Uh, when Gertie first sees him and she just screams in his face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, E.T. dying was pretty traumatizing. Yeah, we didn't and I forgot that, that he, like, for real died. And then, like, all of a sudden he's okay. Mm-hmm. Was he, did somebody just, like, pull the cord and plug it back in on him or something? <laughs> like, reboot him? Well, that was the thing, too, where it's just, like, it was a little confusing when he came back to life on if they were... Because it was when Elliot told him that he loved him. And it's yeah. just like, oh, okay, is are you saying, you know, that's what brought him back to life? Or the fact that they also said, oh, you know, it, that must also mean the aliens are coming to get him. So maybe they were close enough that they kind of, you know, were able to connect with him and help keep him alive or something. Maybe, maybe they use their healing powers on him. Yeah, I don't know. But another one of those things that wasn't really fully explained. Not sure if it needed to be, but... Yeah, uh, that's kind of like a gray area there. Like, do we need to explain that? Or like, it would be nice to have a little more answers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, Anything else that's like memorable or um, I, funny or anything like that? Um. Well... As we're getting here closer to the end, I'll start talking. I'll talk about this a little bit more. I this, even though it's a quote unquote family movie, I felt like it was more that people before I saw the movie, I felt people were like, "Oh, it's it's a kids movie." Yeah, and I'm just like, no. When I watched it, I did not enjoy it, and I did not think it was a kids movie. <laughs> like yeah sure there were some kind of enjoyable parts that kids would get and enjoy but yeah i think it was a little too serious and also a little bit too dramatic with et dying and that whole thing yeah and then when um elliot calls his brother penis breath yeah <laughs> not really not really something i want my kids to watch at least at this age 
right? So yeah, so there were, it's a little bit confusing at that point because that was the thing too. I just remember when I was a kid where it's just like, oh, it's a family movie. It's a kid's movie. You know, yeah. like everybody's kind of seen it, but the people who enjoy it are the kids. And I was, and I watched it and I was just like, I didn't, I didn't really like that. Like I wasn't super entertained by it and I didn't have an enjoyable time. And yeah, so that kind of leans into the whole thing where it's just like, I don't really, I don't know. That's not my favorite movie. That's easy to say, but. Yeah, and it's funny because like as a kid, one thing I remembered was um, Elliot being sad that E.T. was leaving. And I remember feeling sad, like, oh, why does he have to go? Like, they're, like, best friends. And then, like, watching it this time, I was just thinking, like, they don't have that crazy, incredible, close connection that I remember them having. I feel like, you know, like, they're friends and everything, but I just... I don't know. It just didn't do it for me this time <laughs> where it's like, oh, I don't feel like too sad. Cause you know, there's a lot of people that said that they've cried during this movie, but I don't, I just, I just didn't get that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's some slower parts in this movie too, which a reason why I wouldn't say it's a kid's movie, you know, I'd say it's a family movie or like, um, you know, maybe if you're like 10 or something and watched it, you might enjoy it, but there's a lot of slow parts in this. I felt like, yeah. I mean, the movie is like what two hours long. Uh, I think it was like an hour and fifty, but yeah, yeah, hour fifty-five. Um, I guess <laughs> I texted you right when I was watching the end of this movie. Uh, that it just popped in my head when the aliens came and picked ET up. And like the spacecraft lands, the door opens up, the ramp comes out, and then you see like a couple other ETs kind of standing off in a distance, like silhouetted behind like the harsh light of the spaceship. Mm-hmm. And I just, like I said to you, I was like, would it be hilarious if they thought that the kids were trying to harm ET and they like step out, they just like start exploding heads left and right, like <laughs> taking all these kids out or like. Either that or, like, E.T. was planning on this the whole time. He's like, I'm going to gain the trust of these kids. He's like, so, um, my planet can come here and just wipe everybody out. (laughs) (laughs) And then you see, like, this, um, fugly little lovable E.T. just going around just murdering people. (laughs) Rambo-style E.T.? Yeah, it's like, it's like E.T. is the predator. (laughs) (laughs) he's got like the laser cannon that just blasts through people E.T. ripping out somebody's skull and their spine and screaming (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh yeah that was just a a ridiculous thing that popped my head watching it (laughs) but anything else you want me to get into trivia and facts uh let's do trivia and facts all right so most of the full body puppetry was performed by a man who was um 10 or two foot 10 um yeah he is two foot 10 inches tall uh but the scenes in the kitchen were done by a 12 year old boy who was born without legs because he was an expert of walking on his hands So Steven Spielberg shot most of the movie from eye level of a child to further connect with Elliot and E.T. At one point, Gertie looks down at E.T. and says, I don't like his feet. Uh, This was actually ad-libbed by Drew Barrymore and was actually her referring to the group of wires coming out of E.T. puppet. Uh, She also ad-libbed the line, give me a break, after Elliot tells her only little kids can see E.T. Uh, so in a Halloween scene where E.T. sees a child in a Yoda costume and seems to recognize him uh, this is actually an inside joke by Spielberg and his friend uh, George Lucas and mm-hmm. in Star Wars Episode 1 Lucas returns the joke in a scene 
that takes place at the Galactic Senate and the shot of the various senators calling out and you see E.T. species among the Senate pods. Yep, I do remember that. Yeah. So this movie has the longest theatrical run of any movie. It ran for over a year in the theaters. Yeah. Take that, Avatar. Yeah, Avatar. I still haven't seen Avatar. The first one? Yeah. Oh, wow. I don't know if I ever will. It doesn't seem like my kind of thing. So at the auditions, um, Henry Thomas thought about the day that his dog died to help him express sadness. Um, Steven Spielberg actually cried during the audition and offered him the role of Elliot on the spot. Oh, dang. Yeah. Uh, At one point during filming, Drew Barrymore was constantly forgetting her lines and it annoyed Steven Spielberg to the point that he actually yelled at her. Uh, He later found out that she had reported to work with a very high fever. Uh, Feeling guilty, he hugged her and apologized repeatedly as she cried and cried, and then he sent her home with a note from him, the director. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. Yeah. Jerk. Yeah, what a jerk yelling a six-year-old <laughs> with a fever. Uh, so Harrison Ford initially filmed a cameo in the film as Elliot's school headmaster, but the scene was cut out. Aw, me. Yeah. He's probably like, I did the Star Wars holiday special and you couldn't let me be in freaking E.T.? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so when the film was released on video in the U.S., the cassette was made with a green plastic um, flap and a measure to confound video pirates. Uh, by December 31st, 1988, the film had sold 15 million cassettes. Boom. Yeah. So it was the highest gro- grossing movie of all time worldwide until Jurassic Park came out. And then obviously, Abada. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, in just for inflation today, it is still the fourth highest grossing movie of all time. I believe Titanic also passed it. Rock. Uh, the so script was being developed by Columbia at the same time as another script about an alien visitation. Uh, the studio did not want to make both movies. So, the head of the studio had to choose uh, which film to make. He decided to let E.T. go, and he made Starman which was directed by John Carpenter and is a flop. Yep. (laughs) And then E.T. was made by Universal. Yeah. I I hope that the head of the studio was fired. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Filmmakers have requested that M&Ms be used to lure E.T., but the Mars company denied their request, fearing that E.T. was so ugly that he would frighten children. Uh, Reese's Pieces were used instead. And as a direct result, Reese's Pieces sales skyrocketed. And because of this, more and more companies began requesting their products be used in movies. Rock. E.T.'s voice was provided by Pat Welsh, an elderly woman who lived in Marin County, California. Uh, She smoked two packs of cigarettes a day, which gave her a voice quality (laughs) and a sound effects that uh, the creator, Ben Burt, liked. Uh, she spent nine and a half hours recording her part and was paid $380 by Bert for her services. Oh, wow. 380 bucks. <laughs> uh, so Corey Feldman was originally scheduled for a role in the movie, um, but over the course of a script rewrite, his part was eliminated. Uh, Spielberg felt bad about the decision and promised Feldman a part in his next planned production, which turned out to be Gremlins. And then, um, in which was in '84, and then Feldman went on to play Tommy Jarvis in Friday the 13th, the final chapter, also in 1984. Rock. So, this is actually C. Thomas Howell's film debut hmm. as the small side character of Michael's friend. Uh, so the Atari game for this movie was one of the biggest and biggest critical and commercial failures in the video game history. Uh, was leading to thousands of unsold cartridges being buried in a landfill. Yep, I do remember that. Yeah, that was an urban legend for a long time, and they actually did find them. So it was real. <clears throat> so Sarah Michelle Geller auditioned for the role of Gertie. 
Uh, Juliette Lewis also auditioned for the role of Gertie, uh, but her father reportedly made her turn it down. Hmm. Uh, Ralph Macchio auditioned for the role of Tyler, who was one of Michael's friends. Okay. Uh, so this movie was not released on home video until 1988. So six years after the movie came out, it was released on VHS. Dang. And beta. And last thing I got is this movie cost $10.5 million and it made $793 million. So it was just a little bit um, That's chump profitable. Change. <laughs> yeah. Chump change. Yeah. It was <laughs> a little bit profitable. Uh, so grades. Uh, pulled from IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. What do you think they are? 8.1 IMDb. 7.9. I honestly thought it'd be higher for the way people talk about this movie. Yeah, I would think it would be higher. Uh, Rotten Tomato Critic, uh, 89%. 99. What? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Dude, the the critics loved this movie. The next closest recent one that we've done was 97 for Big. Oh, hold on. 98 was Eyes Without a Face. What? That's a weird one. Oh, 100% was Frankenstein and Dracula. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, those are all old ones. That's crazy. That's stupid. 99. Okay. Audience, um, 87%? 72. Oh, okay. Good job, audience. Um. So I guess... You want to go first? Sure. Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, it's, so it's it's a weird one to give a grade for because, like I said, I I know and I recognize what this movie is and what it was at the time. It is a good movie. It had some groundbreaking things, especially from a profit standpoint. You know, brought in a ton of money, and uh, you know. Great special effects, great music, great plot. Um, a lot of good things working for it. <clears throat> so it's so good movie. But I am not putting it in the great category at all for myself. I am going to wind up giving it a four out of five. Um, okay. I was kind of contemplating a 3.5, but I feel like that's doing it injustice because like I said, I mean, I, I still recognize what it is. My personal opinion, I just don't really care for it. The movie as a whole though, um, I'll give it a four out of five. I, I feel like, I feel like that's fair. Um, I don't think I would ever be persuaded to make it a five out of five. Um, you, if you wanted to debate me, I feel like I could maybe switch it to a 4.5, but I feel content right now with having watched the movie just recently and my feelings after said movie, that four out of five is a justifiable, uh, point to give it. Yeah, dude, you're, we're on the same page. I gave it a four out of five as well. Um, I think there's some parts that are kind of slow. And like I said, I feel like this might be one of those movies that you had to watch at a young age to have a real connection to. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying I dislike the movie. I mean, it's okay. I'm not sure how many times I'll rewatch it. Yeah. Yeah, I might feel the desire every once in a while, but I don't know. I just didn't feel that connection with it. I thought it was all right. I thought it was done really well, but and the story was good, but I don't know what it was. It just wasn't resonating with me mm-hmm. and i guess you know you and i seem to feel the same way about it uh and i think four out of five is solid i mean like i said the i think the et puppet looks amazing i think henry thomas's acting as elliot might be the some of the best child acting we've ever seen mm. uh, really the only thing i can think that comes close is the movie paper moon have you ever seen that no um yeah and i mean with that movie, uh, Tatum O'Neill's acting in that was so good that I believe she won an Academy Award for it. 
Rock. Yeah, and she was oh. in the movie with her actual dad. Have you not to uh, switch real fast, but have you ever seen what's eating Gilbert Grape? Yeah. Yeah, that Leo. was yeah, Leo Leo got got the shaft on that. Have you ever seen Growing Pains with Leo? <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen Critters Three? Leo's in that. <laughs> Leo. That's what I always think of anytime somebody says Leonardo DiCaprio. I think of Dr. Evil and Mini-Me. Leo. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, sidetracked there, but... And, I mean, Drew Barrymore, it was obvious that she was going to become a star. And, I mean, she kind of had a rough life for a little while after this. Uh, I don't know if you knew much about her, but she became, like, an alcoholic at a super, super young age. Mm. Like 12 or something ridiculous. Um, I don't know that. And I'm just being in the spotlight pretty much her entire life because she's from a famous acting family. But, you know, it was obvious in this movie that she had lots of talent and she was going to be a star. So, And, I mean, Henry Thomas, I'm not sure he really did a whole heck of a lot after this. But he easily probably could have. I think he kind of, like, stepped away from acting for a long time. Yeah. But yeah, I think a four out of five is pretty solid for this movie. So next week, we are going to be going back to the more mature content. Yeah. And we're going to be doing something we haven't done in a while. We're comparing two movies together. Uh, and this time we're going to be comparing the John Carpenter remake of The Thing to the 2000s remake of The Thing. What year did that come out? 2012? Uh, I, I don't I, know. I can't even remember, dude. <laughs> 2011. I was close. Oh, not bad. I've actually never seen that one. I've seen the John Carpenter one. Yeah, so. I, I have that. I've not seen the remake yet, so it'll be a first. Yeah, it'll be good to compare those two together. But yeah, come back next week. We'll be wrapping up alien month and until then as always be kind and rewind